What does it take, or maybe I should say, what would it take to amaze you? Now, the answer to that question might very well depend on your age. Now, I'm not trying to be accused of ageism here, but, but think about it. Now, I'll use myself as an example because, well, you can call me old, that's okay. If when I were a kid, someone would have told me that, that we would carry around these little mini computers in our pockets, I think I would have thought they were crazy. But if, if I were 10 years old and someone had come up to me and, and handed me a cell phone and told me to Google something, some answer for some test that I had coming up, I would have looked at him and, and just been dumbfounded. And if he had actually been able to do that, if he had the technology somehow gone back in history and, and he had the technology to Google something and he showed it to me, I, I would have been shocked. I would have been dumbfounded, amazed. I would have thought maybe I was living in some sort of a, a sci-fi futuristic movie or something. Today we're going to try to see what it was about Jesus that amazed the people in the synagogue at Capernaum on a particular day. Now, it's a little bit hard for us because many of us have known about Jesus or known Jesus for most of our lives. And so maybe Jesus really doesn't amaze us much anymore. But let's take a look at what happens in these verses from Mark's gospel to see how Jesus amazes. Let's listen again to the last couple of verses from our gospel reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Please rise as we hear these words of our Lord. Everyone was so amazed that they began to discuss this with each other. They said, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He even commands the unclean spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly through all the region of Galilee. Thus far the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. So Mark is picking up in this gospel reading for today where he left off from last week's gospel reading. Jesus had just called four of his disciples, four of these fishermen, and he tells them that he's going to make them into fishers of men. And they head for Capernaum, which isn't too far away. And then on a particular Sabbath, they go to the synagogue to, to worship and pray with, with the people gathered there. And Jesus teaches there. Now Mark doesn't specify it in this reading, but we kind of know what the procedure was at synagogue at, at, in the synagogue for their for their worship. The, the highlight was when one of the men was given the scroll of, of Scripture and he would stand up, he would read a selected portion of that Scripture and then he would sit down and expound on that Scripture. It's kind of similar to what we do with a sermon, but they didn't have just one guy that was up and, and preaching every week. It kind of rotated around among the guys that, that they thought were qualified to teach and so we don't really know from Mark's gospel what Jesus was preaching on or what he had read on that particular Sabbath. But Mark reports that the people were amazed at his teaching. 
Now, I am not fishing for compliments after the sermon today, but when is the last time that you were amazed by a sermon? When's the last time that you just sat there and you had your socks knocked off and you thought to yourself, wow, I have never heard this before or I've never heard it explained in this way before? Let's be honest, most of the time we kind of know what we're going to hear in the sermon, at least in our churches. We know that we're going to hear God's word read. We know we're, we're probably going to hear law. We're probably going to hear gospel. Hopefully we're going to hear some application. And that just tends to be the way in, in our churches. And it was sort of that way for the people in Jesus' time, at least in terms of what their expectations were. They had certain expectations. They knew that, that this portion of Scripture, a, a portion of Scripture would be read, and that then one of the experts in the law would get up, and, or sit down actually, and he would expound on that portion of Scripture. But, but his exposition consisted in really just going back and quoting from the experts in the past. And they would say, well, Rabbi so-and-so said this about this passage, and Rabbi so-and-so said that about this passage. And then they would go on and, and talk about how this passage related to many of the laws that the Levites had come up with, these intricate man-made laws of how to live your life, such as, how many steps you could take on the Sabbath before you would be breaking the third commandment. Or in which quarter of a second the new moon or, or a Sabbath began. And then along comes Jesus. Quote from all of the rabbis of the past? No. Focus on the intricate man-made rules for everyday life? No. That's what the experts in the law did. No, Jesus taught as one who has authority. He exuded authority in what he was teaching. And this amazed the people because Jesus' teaching was, was different. It was new. It was fresh. What is this, they said, a new teaching with authority? Now, to understand exactly what was, what was different and fresh and new about Jesus teaching we have to look back at last week's gospel reading remember how Mark summarized what Jesus was preaching that Jesus preached the time is near the kingdom of God is at hand and in a nutshell we can say that Jesus was saying that the time of waiting the time of waiting for all of those millennia the time of waiting for the promised Savior to come had been fulfilled because he Jesus the Messiah was there right there in front of them. To anyone who listened, Jesus says, your time of waiting is done. Your Savior is right here, right in front of you. And then he went on and he said, repent, believe in the gospel. What the people were used to hearing from their experts in the law was more along the lines of repent and then keep doing all of these added laws so that maybe you will have a shot at staying as one of God's people. Law. And then more law. Now Jesus preached the law. He said, repent, turn away from your sins. 
but he also preached the gospel. Believe in the gospel, he said. Believe that I am your Savior. Believe that I am your Messiah, your hope that is come, and I will give you life. So that might give us a little glimpse into what amazed the people in the synagogue that day about Jesus' teaching. Instead of going home with thoughts of, well, okay, now I have even more ways to fail because I know I can't keep all of these laws and they keep piling more laws on top of it. Well, maybe some of them left that day thinking, my waiting is over. My Savior has come. My hope is fulfilled. The radical teaching of Jesus radically changed the way that people thought about God. Now again, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison when, when we look at synagogue worship compared to ours. But one comparison that I'd like you to consider today is this. When you leave a typical worship service here, how do you feel? Do you focus on the law and all of your shortcomings? And yes, you do have them. Even when we're right here in this sanctuary, do we let our minds wander as we're thinking about, oh, I just have to endure this hour so I can get on with the rest of my day? And when we do that, notice I say when, well, do we realize that we're breaking the third commandment because we're despising God's word? Or do you focus on how Jesus forgives you for all of the times that you break not just the third commandment, but all of the commandments, all of his laws. Do you focus on how Jesus forgives you? How he speaks to you in his word, his forgiveness. How he speaks to you in the absolution, forgiving you of your sins. How he tells you that he went to the cross to pay for your sins. How he went and rose from the dead to prove that your sins are paid for. That, my friends, all that, that Jesus tells you is amazing. Now, I'll be the first to admit that, that you may not hear an amazing sermon every time that you, that you worship here. Regardless of the sermon, though, you still have Jesus speaking to you. Again, he speaks to you in the absolution as your sins are forgiven. He speaks to you in his word, reminding you how much he loves you, telling you that you are forgiven. He comes to you personally in his supper as he gives you his very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. His teaching, all of it, is amazing no matter how you look at it. But there's something else that amazed the people on that, on that day in the synagogue at at Capernaum and this definitely was something that the people weren't weren't really used to witnessing there was a man that showed up that day who had an unclean spirit who had a demon and this unclean spirit he wasn't satisfied just to sit there and listen to to Jesus no he started yelling at Jesus what do we have to do with you we know who you are have you come to destroy us we know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, another way to translate the first part of what they said, what do we have to do with you? Why are you meddling in our affairs? This unclean spirit wasn't happy 
that Jesus had come into what he thought was his territory, this world, and that he was trying to lead people to God instead of allowing the demons to, to steer people away from God. It appears that this demon figured that, that this was his domain and the domain of, of all of the demons. And how dare Jesus come and interfere with their work? But Jesus wouldn't have any of that. Ever since the devil had been convinced, I'm sorry, ever since the devil convinced Adam and Eve to sin, well, there was a battle going on, a war going on between good and evil, between God and the devil. And so Jesus, coming fresh off of his victory over the devil in the wilderness, you remember last week we heard about Jesus defeating the devil as he's tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. Coming fresh off of that victory, Jesus comes and confronts this demon and tells him to stop. Put a muzzle on it, he says. Come out of him. Imagine the shockwave that, that pulsated through the people in the synagogue that day. First off, to hear the unclean spirit speak, and he was actually speaking the truth that Jesus did, after all, come to destroy the demons and that he was indeed the Holy One of God. But then to see Jesus going toe-to-toe with this evil being and just defeating him so completely. This was not your typical day in the synagogue, to be sure. And that's why the people were saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He even commands the unclean spirits and they obey him. The people had seen unclean spirits at work before, but they hadn't seen someone treat them with such power, with such authority. Amazing. Now, maybe from our perspective, it's a little bit disappointing that more people in the synagogue, that all of the people in the synagogue didn't just get up right away and acclaim Jesus as the Messiah, as their Savior, and and start following him. After all, he had been preaching the gospel to them. He had been telling them that he was indeed the promised Savior, their promised Messiah, which meant he was the one who had come to rescue them from sin, from death, and the devil. But it seems, in many ways, that they were a little bit stuck. Stuck in their amazement. The shock was there, but but not necessarily the awe. The awe in the sense of recognizing Jesus for who he was and, and putting their trust, putting their faith in him as their Messiah. Recognize him as the Holy One of God. Now, it's probably easy for us to have a slightly condescending attitude toward those people in the synagogue that day. I mean, we may sit here and think, well, if, if I had been there, well, I would have believed in Jesus right away. I would have recognized him as the Messiah. I would have believed in him and started following him. Or maybe we feel a little bit slighted because we don't have Jesus doing such amazing miracles today. Maybe we think, oh, if Jesus would be here and be performing these sorts of miracles, well, we would be amazed and, and we would, would be built up in our faith in him. But when you start to think that way, whether it's a, a condescending attitude or feeling a little bit slighted, just don't compare yourself to others in that way. 
Just consider what Jesus has done in your life and still does in your life. He took you, you who were completely spiritually dead, and he made you alive. He washed your sins away and he breathed new life into you. And then he sustains you every day with everything that you need for your body and life. And even better, he sustains your spiritual life by speaking to you in his word, by reminding you again and again that you are his dear child, that he will never leave you, that he will never allow any spiritual harm to come to you, especially not from the unclean spirits. And this is the best part. Someday, he's going to take you from, from this world of sin and death to a home that is only filled with grace and peace and life. Isn't that enough to be amazed at? Now, we may be 2,000 plus years removed from, from that day in the synagogue at, at Capernaum, but Jesus continues to amaze us with his teaching, with his power. He is the ultimate authority, not only or maybe not primarily in the sense that, that he is the boss of everything, including us, telling us what to do, but in the sense of having all authority so that he has rescued us from sin and death and the devil. He has made us dead creatures alive and he sustains us to the end. Keep being amazed by Jesus. Amen.